It's always so nice to hear your voice. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. I actually found that this morning it was a little bit cooler than it has been, just momentarily. And that just made me feel a little bit less like an angry dragon that I have for months on end. So I'm in a good place, I think. I'm in a good space. I always love our weather checks because, you know, when I come into this, once I'm in the studio in the morning, I, I know that the temperature when I leave the house and then afterwards it's like there's no windows here. So it's, no windows, good to know yeah. it's, it's good to know it's a bit more breezy out there. Well, hopefully not too breezy. It looks like it looks like the typhoon may be coming for us. Yeah, I know. Mm. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen. Oh. But um, but yeah, not ideal. Yes. Uh, not what we're talking about today, obviously. We always talk about the weather. We never talk about what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, today we're going to talk about clocks. Oh, clocks. very yep. nice. I, I, you know, yep. I, I love clocks and watches. Um, so it's great that you picked this topic. But why did you pick this topic? I'm always fascinated. You know, without sounding very boring and very mum-dimensional, um, I find that as a parent, I, I am mom watching mum-dimensional. Yeah, you can, you can co- I haven't copyrighted it. You Use it freely. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I do find that I spend so much of my day watching the clock that our lives are divided into these little segments and bigger segments of time all the time. I mean, I have timers at home that I use with my kids for like, okay, in two minutes, you can watch this for two minutes. In five minutes, you've got 10 minutes to tidy up, all that stuff. And I just find that constantly I'm relying on clocks to the point that actually this morning I was saying to my husband how I've started using like, I lived in Hong Kong my whole life. I know where I'm going, but I start using Google Maps now when I drive just because I want to know how long things are going to take me because every minute seems so precious. Wait, so, I mean, I use Google Maps to places I don't know how to get to, but you, you're saying you use Google Maps even for places you know. Even for places I know, because I'm like, I'm like, how long is it going to take me to get there? Like, what's my, what am I working with? It's am I working ETA. with 13 minutes? Yeah, because I think if it, oh, if it's going to take me 20 minutes, then when I get there, I'll have five minutes where I can write an email before I do the thing that I've arrived at the destination for. It's just like minute yeah. to minute. And it's making me a little bit obsessive about time and clocks. And actually the clocks in my heart, home are all fast (laughs) because I I have a fear of being late I have a fear of being on the back foot so actually my clocks in my home are not accurate they're all about (laughs) quite fast like probably like 11 minutes fast some of them you know um so I'm a bit weird about this sort of stuff, but it made me um but I but then at the same time it's just that it's like very it can also be quite a existential idea of time and when you have young children you know they always say like the days are short uh, the days are long the years are short right that's right and it's it's that feeling of like oh my gosh is it already wednesday again i'm already chatting to you again how's it been a week (laughs) what have i achieved um um, the point is it was i was i thought it'd be nice to talk about it today and i'm kind of interested in it firstly starting with this idea of the measurement of time so who seriously thought about measuring time to begin with and um in modern times of course clocks underpin everything we do. As I mentioned, I I wish I didn't have to live to a clock schedule so intensely. Although I will mention, I don't have an alarm clock because my children wake up before the sun. (laughs) I do not require an alarm clock. They are the alarm clock. (laughs) They are the alarm clock. So the one thing I don't do is watch my clock first thing in the morning because I just know that if my child has woken me up, it is before 6am. So I'm fine. (laughs) Um, 
But yes, but we, we use them so much. And timekeeping is this infrastructure, this invisible structure that makes our modern infrastructure work. It, it forms a lot of things. It forms the foundation of even high-speed computers or GPS systems. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons that human beings have likely lived by some version of a clock for a very long time. Um, you know, the ancient Egyptians invented the first water clocks and sundials probably over 3,500 years ago. But before that, it's likely that people were tracking time with something, but we just don't have an archaeological record of it. For example, they could have just stuck a stick in some dirt to create a sort of very primitive sundial with shadows or have no device at all. They just look at the position of the sun in the sky. But there's no reason that people wouldn't have been tracking time a long time ago. And so it's quite a hard idea to get a grip with when they first started doing it, but we'd probably assume that people did it. The oldest sundial we have on record came from Egypt, and it was made around 1500 BCE, and it consisted of an upright stick and a rough semicircular base divided into 12 pie-shaped sections. And the shadow of the stick would give an approximate hour of the day. Okay, so this is one thing. Another way of doing it was putting a stick and the length of the shadow, so not the movement of the shadow, but the, how far the shadow stretched, which would suggest how far, you know, how far the sun had moved in the sky. So it's quite an interesting idea. Now, if you accomplish this step, if you know you'd mastered the concept of a sundial, on the next, the next thing is fine-tuning this to be able to adapt it for different months, because of course, as we know, in summer the days are longer, for the most part. If you know. Where, where we live in the equator, and for the win winter, the days are shorter. Now, of course, during the night, this is a bit different. Um, you know, once upon a time before the lights of modern cities, you could see the stars, and that's probably how people would have tracked time at night. If you woke up in the middle of the night, you'd be like, oh, oh I was up all time. night. Yeah. yeah, I was up all night breastfeeding my baby between the big star being a little bit over there and the big star being a little bit over there, you know? Um, so it's quite interesting in that way. For measuring discrete units of time, so smaller units of time, uh, a lot of uh, people used water clocks. So these were vessels that either had holes for the water to fall out at a constant rate, or they were filled from another vessel, and then water they had clocks. markings. I've never, water clocks. I've never heard of that. I've heard of sand, you know, sundial before, but never water clocks before. Wow. Oh, they're quite amazing, actually. The oldest surviving water clocks were found in Egypt and Babylon, and these date to around 1500 BC. They're very ancient. And in China, China, um, historical records claim that water clocks were invented by the Yellow Emperor or Huangdi, a uh, kind of half historical, half mythical figure. And um, they, there's, there's actual people who've studied this in, in China. There's professors today, mechanical engineers, who write about the history of ancient Chinese timekeeping devices because they were very advanced for the time. And some of these Chinese water clocks were probably kind of outflow devices. So these were known as Luka. Uh, I'm saying that wrong, I'm sure. And the unit Kurt divided the day into 100 equal segments from midnight to midnight. And over time, inventors made these clocks more sophisticated by equipping them with multiple water water supply vessels or adjusting them to make sure that the, the rate of water flow was stable. I mean, it's fascinating. Whoa, it's quite really, really fascinating. architecture, really. Yeah, it's incredible, the degree of mechanical engineering required. So in the Tang Dynasty, which is the early 1700, sorry, 700 CE, um, monks developed a mechanical clock powered by a water wheel. And then in, um, in the Sung Dynasty, they de developed on this design to create a 40-foot tall, which is a 12-meter tall mechanical clock powered by a water wheel that would work very similar to a lot of the mechanical clocks that were invented in Europe 200 years later. 
So it's absolutely amazing that this was how, um, you know, that people were already thinking about this idea of keeping time, this ancient devotion to very complex, complicated things. I mean, if you ask someone today, an engineer today, okay, prodigies aside, could you guys just design a water clock, please? Go. Like, it would take a very, very, it would be very difficult. It wouldn't be an easy, you know, with no, not using any modern, you know, prototyping software or anything. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So this is um, interesting, this idea again of like why we have timekeeping um, and, you know, the way that things work out in that way. Now, What's interesting is that having said that, that uh, the Ch- uh, that China has such an incredibly intricate heat history of de- designing timekeeping devices, apparently, and you've got to let me know this, um, Noreen, if it's apparently it can be taboo to gift a Chinese person a clock. Oh, because, yes. Yes. Because in, in Cantonese, clocks is called zhong. So when you uh, when you give something, it's song. So song zhong means like you, you know, you're, you're, it, it, it literally means like uh, going to somebody's funeral. Yes, I just read that. Yes, yes. it means like it's the same as saying like attending, a, sound. It's, it's, yeah, attending that's right. a, a funeral. Yeah, of so course it's a I, different writing style, but still it has the same sound as that. So it doesn't sound so good. Yeah, yeah which is interesting because it's by giving them a clock. It was like the implication the person is running out of time and you're waiting to attend their funeral. Yeah. <laughs> a real faux pas, to be honest. Because um, I actually quite like clocks. And I've been given quite a few clocks over the years by like family members as gifts and stuff like that. Oh, so yeah, I find me that. too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, but I can absolutely understand how it would be very, very <laughs> misinterpreted, um, for sure. Um, so, of course, one of the things about uh, like mechanical clocks is we, we think about like the oldest clock that we have the oldest mechanical working clock um, dates back to around 1386. and there's a report of one, and this was in Salisbury in southern England, but apparently there's reports of a mechanical clock in that was also working in Milan, Italy, by 1335. But this old clock in Salisbury apparently is the oldest one of its type that's still working and running today. So there's something very interesting about like the fact that once you get this mechanism correct, you know, bearing in mind all the hardware around it is working, um, it can be something that, you know, it lasts a very, very long time. Um, now, the the pendulum clock was invented in the 1600s. So it's a very interesting idea that we have this, um, that, you know, that people worked on this concept of movement. And I think it blows my mind. If you've ever seen the inside of a watch, you know what I mean? Like you'll see them on like Swiss watch adverts and they take off the back of the watch and they're like precision. And it's like tick, 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 tick. And you see all the little cogs and dials. Blows my mind. Like I, I couldn't, I have no idea. Like my brain is not designed for that idea, you know? Um, so it's the idea that we have that um, clocks clocks kind of have this universal usage for us, but also that they can be accurate um, for billions of years. So apparently this is like, you know, clocks that don't run on mechanical means. We can talk about, um, I'm going to talk in a minute about uh, atomic Clocks? Have you heard about atomic clocks before? No, atomic clocks. No. Yeah. So atomic clocks, are like it's quite. I don't know. It's it sounds like a Mission Impossible, um, a Mission Impossible kind of thing. The atomic clock, but um, an atomic clock gets its accuracy from a fountain-like um, atomic movement. 
Like atoms? Right. Yes. So oh. looking literally at the movement of atoms. So it's so accurate that it will not gain or lose a second in the span of 100 million years. And this is, um, the, we have a specific atomic clock, the NIST hyphen F1 cesium fountain clock. That's the name oh, yeah, of a that's clock. that's the one. Yes, yes. That's no. the one. <laughs> it was created at the National Institute of Standards and Technology in Colorado. And it's supposed to be, yeah, so that's it's so accurate. And that's the clock that's currently used for internet time. So if you think about it right now, I could look at my clock and say, I think my clock says, my clock was, I'm not going to say the time on air because it will confuse your listeners and you have a time there. So what would the time say for you right now in studio? So I'm looking at the one by the observatory, the one that RTHK, you know how it connects to the government. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of across the board. It's uh, 10, 23 and 35 seconds, 36 seconds. Right. So that exactly. So that that clock. That's that's probably internet time. Okay. That's probably internet time. So that time is reliant on the NIST F1 cesium fountain clock. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I just want to say this to the listeners. Oh gosh, I wish I could maybe make a video. I'm sure years ago Tim Littlechild, our colleague, made a video of this. I've got it somewhere. But this is incredible thing. If you go to any RTHK studios, recording studios, or live studios. You just unplug the clock from the wall and then you plug it back in, say, after five minutes or after even a minute or just immediately afterwards. It just that the hands just there's this um, weird circular thing. It goes around the clock uh, once and then it resets itself to the accurate time. Really? Yeah, it's. I must make it now that I've said it on air. I've I've got to unplug the clock and then make a movie of it and then put it on my Facebook page. It's fascinating. It's but a, can you imagine the chaos that would happen if it didn't? If yeah. it didn't <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh dear, it's it's uh, ten uh, thirty-two. The news with I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Um, I remember years and years ago, I got back from before I had children or anything else, and didn't I didn't watch the clock as closely as I do now, and um, came back from an overseas trip, so I was very very jet lagged, um, and me and my husband were sitting up late at night watching TV, and I kept glancing over at the clock, being like, oh no, we've got to stay up a little bit later because it's a bit too late. But I was like, God, I really am very very tired, and then I realised that the clock had stopped at about ten thirty five p.m., but actually the time Time was about 1.35 a.m. And I just hadn't noticed because the clock had stopped. We just didn't realize that it wasn't like you. Our bodies were telling us how late it was, but the clock wasn't. And I just remember feeling so foolish. I'm like, oh, my goodness, the clock hasn't actually moved in the last hour. Like, you know, um, it's very fascinating. But of course, like a lot of the times um, we think about clocks and ticking clocks, we're thinking about that pendulum effect, right? And and it was actually the Italian physicist Galileo Galilei who showed that the pendulum could keep clocks accurate. Um, and so, and then from there on, uh, Christian Huygens, who was a Dutch mathematician, developed the first pendulum clock in 1656. I have to say, though, I have a problem myself with ticking. I have a very high, like, if I can hear a clock ticking in a room, it really bothers me. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's sort of unsettling, isn't it? 
Yeah, I find it very unsettling. It would it would keep me up awake at night if I had a, I've had clocks in my room before that I've had to like throw a towel over at night yeah. or something because I'm like I can't listen to the ticking and yeah. not even like in an ex- existential dread way. It just I just don't find it very soothing. Exactly, but then I think now a lot of inventions that have that what's it called smooth second hand. I've seen a sticker on some of these clocks. Oh yeah, they sort of just sort of glide and and I'm like putting it against my ear. I'm like oh I can't hear anything, which is I don't know how I'd feel about that actually to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like no like, sound is too quiet. I think I prefer quiet. like, yeah, no sound is too quiet, but I feel like the movement of a ticking hand, but um, I'm looking at a clock right now and it does have the seamless effect. Oh, oh it's going to bother me. I'm not going to look at it too quickly. Interesting you say uh, the ticking hand. So which one do you prefer, digital clocks or analog clocks? <gasps> I prefer an analog. Ah, I like yeah. to visualize it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree. Me too. Because then you can see just how how much more time you have before the the end of the hour. Yeah. Um. But then for accuracy, sometimes because I'm like, oh, okay. Um. It's I don't know. You know, ten twenty seven. So it's good to also see the time straight away and and read it. So it just depends. But to see it is is easier. Also to visualize how much time I've got left. Yeah, amazing. But I also I, I find people who use a twenty four hour clock in who are not like you know military personnel who talk to me and like oh yeah I'll see you around fourteen hundred. I'm like no, you'll see me at two p.m. Like I'm <laughs> I'm quite old fashioned with stuff like that. I'm like not fourteen hundred, not eighteen hundred, just two p.m. or six p.m. You know, yeah. um, although it's more accurate I suppose and that sort of stuff like that. Now, interestingly, Europe once miss is missing six minutes. I'm going to go into this. So apparently in 2018, the clocks in several European countries lost their unity. At first, nobody noticed. A few months later, the time difference became too obvious to miss. Some clocks ran six minutes late. There was something really odd going on. Now, this wrinkle in time was caused by politics. So clocks that use the grid need a certain amount of electricity to count the hours. In Europe, 50 hertz keeps a regular timepiece. But for months, the grid ran on 49.996 hertz. The dip in this was eventually tracked to a power plant in Kosovo, which was lagging due to maintenance issues. So Kosovo said Serbia was responsible for the upkeep of this power plant. Serbia said Kosovo were. So on paper, Serbia was... um, you know, like it was a very political situation. Now, thanks to this weakened grid, every clock on mains power fell behind. And this included heaters, microwaves, alarm clocks, ovens, because of course, you know, like sometimes when you go somewhere, like it's the oven that has the time on it, right? It's never accurate. The microwave time on my in my home has never been accurate. Um, but the clocks that updated themselves with the internet or had batteries kept the correct hour, but it's the ones that were relevant. Um, reliant on the power grid and so at the end of the day the plant was restored and 25 countries returned to the right time but not before there was a six missing minutes across a lot of europe isn't that so interesting it's like a movie whoa yeah that's kind of freaky as well where does the time go where does the time go exactly <laughs> what happened in that six minutes someone's going to write a film about it i'm sure i have a few quotes to finish on today yes sure go for it Um, Sam Levinson said, don't watch the clock, do what it does, keep going. Um, The author Paolo Schello said, nothing in the world is ever completely wrong. Even a stopped clock is right twice a day. (laughs) And I thought that's a nice way of looking at things. And H.G. Wells, the incredible sci-fi writer, said, we must not allow the clock and the calendar to blind us to the fact that each moment in life is a miracle and mystery. Yeah, wow. Deep, philosophical. Deep. And where, does, and where does the time go? It brings us to, to the end of <laughs> today's chat. Uh, thank you so much, Cruzy, for your time and for your wonderful topic. And I look forward to more interesting chats with you next week. Thank you very much.
Take care. Bye for now. And a quick look at the weather forecast.